Bernie Eccleston, it's been suggested that it was you who told Sebastian Vettel to come clean about how he was really dropped by Ferrari. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yes, yes, I did tell him to. Why did you do that? Well, I like Sebastian a great deal and the truth is very important. Some people might find that hard to believe. I don't see why. I'm a stickler for the truth. Some people say I'm the most honest person there's ever been in Formula One. Who said that? Flavio Briatore. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, and I am very pleased to welcome you to a particularly happy episode, because at the weekend, Formula One came back, and Zog and Sarah were both there to watch it. Hi guys, how are you? Hey, not bad. Hello, how are you? I wish I was there. We were remote in London. Yeah, but we were as much there as anyone else was there, apart from the actual teams and some senior media. So, yeah, we were there as much as we could. We <laughs> were as much there as anyone else, that's right. We were virtually there, as so everyone seems to be saying these days. Sarah, first of all, was it weird or was it satisfying, that race? How did you find it? I thought it was really good. You know, I did predict Charles Leclerc to win, didn't I? You did. And I wasn't far off. Yes. But Ferrari, they had the lesser car, didn't they? But he ran the wheels out of it to get up there into second place. No thanks to Hamilton. But I think because there was so many safety cars, there was just a lot of incidents and accidents and things that kept it exciting. So there was a number of drivers that could have won, including Alex Albon and Lewis and and yeah, I thought it was really entertaining, really interesting, and for all the reasons above and, and more. And then Lando Norris as well on the podium. There you go. What's interesting, Sarah, is that you haven't even mentioned the fact that there was no crowd there. Soggy, did it make any difference to you that there was no live crowd at the race? It made a bit of a difference, yes. But when racing returns after such a long break and when it felt so good to watch some racing where you had some genuinely kind of human random things happening again which I really miss in the virtual racing you know a wheel coming off here mechanical problems there overheating stuff that just doesn't happen in virtual racing it was a combination of a wonderful return and a great race but it was a little bit weird it did feel a little bit different and when you didn't have the crowd reaction to some of the big moments and to the result it did feel different. When you're focusing on the action on track, you don't really notice it because you've got the sound of the cars, it looks the same as it ever did, so it's a mixture. I think, Sarah, you mentioned it in a couple of shows ago that usually when you're watching the cars, you don't really notice the sound of the crowd. But the time that you would miss them was during the podium. And I think that's absolutely right. I was so psyched about Formula One coming back that I absolutely watched the pants off everything. I watched the press conferences. I watched all the interviews. I watched the F2. And in watching the F2 beforehand, I got an idea of how F1 was going to go. They had this sort of artificial crowd cheer for the podium celebrations afterwards. And that was the only point at which I noticed there was no crowd there. Sarah, you said that you'd notice it for the podium, 
but putting the artificial cheers on just seemed a bit too weird. I was happy with the music, the Formula One music, which they use in F2 as well. That sort of lifted the whole thing. You didn't need the crowd cheers. Did you notice them, Sarah, the crowd cheers, the taped crowd cheers, I mean? I think so, definitely for the podium. I mean, McLaren said after the race that this is their second podium and they weren't sort of able to actually be on the podium and enjoy it. I think because last year... Carlos Sainz, he came in and he took over a podium and he didn't get to really get on there and celebrate it. And they sort of had a joke and said the same thing this time around for Lando Norris because it didn't really feel like a proper podium because there was no crowd there. There was no one to spray the champagne on. I think they all the drivers looked a bit lost. They're like, what do I spray the champagne? And they sort of ran over to their teams, didn't they? So I think it would have been nice to have a crowd there to help celebrate that podium. And I think that that was definitely missed. I don't know, at least they didn't virtually put a crowd in. Yeah, they could have done. Yeah, yeah, they could have. They had options, but at least the racing is back, you know, and that's the most important thing. And I think everyone in Formula One was just super grateful for that. And it was a good race. It was an exciting race. Yeah, let's get to the race in a moment. Let's talk about the way in which Formula One managed this race because like I said I tuned in for the press conference on Thursday and the press conference instead of being six team leaders all crammed together like they're on blankety blank you had two drivers separated by two meters both wearing masks being interviewed and um, whilst I was watching it I couldn't help think oh god I wish I was video capturing this and I could redub the drivers because you couldn't see their mouths moving because they had masks over their mouths you could make them say anything so if Vettel was sitting there going oh yeah yeah I'm very happy to be driving for Ferrari you could redub him in post-production going no 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 I really hate Ferraris they've been right assholes to me lately the temptation to do that and I don't know if you noticed the mask regime amongst the drivers most of the drivers were wearing disposable plain cotton masks but notably mclaren and ferrari both had branded masks made in team colors and red bull as well oh yes red bull had branded masks yeah Of all of them, the Ferrari masks were gorgeous. They had the Ferrari logo (laughs) on. They had black air vents on the side. And a chap I know called Tony on Twitter commented today, oh, that mask, if only they had oval air vents on the cheeks on that Ferrari mask, it would actually make it look like a Ferrari 156 shark nose. It was the perfect (laughs) bit of Italian tailoring. Ever so cool. I think it could be an interesting collectible item. That's very true. People collect all kinds of, you know, bits that fell off cars, you know, yep. programs. Although these masks might be here to stay. Going through places like Selfridges, they literally have designer fashion masks all through the shops. So those Ferrari masks, you never know, they could be manufactured and distributed. <laughs> I, I haven't actually checked, but, you know, it's possible that if you or I went to Ferrari's website right now... We could get a Ferrari mask. They should be selling them. I think so. I think it could be part of the merch. The merchandise is a Ferrari mask. Absolutely. You two have given me a very good idea. I think it's time to start marketing Gareth Jones on speed masks, isn't it, eh? Oh, why not? What a good idea. There's an opportunity. But the interviews were revealing. Normally, when you get to the first race of the year in Australia, the team have got a set number of things that they have to say. Oh, yeah, it's been a long winter. I'm ready to get racing. I think we stand a good chance. But adding to that, these extra few months where they've been itching to get going... 
they said different things I found in the interviews to what they normally say. And I think Daniel Ricciardo was very cagey about what he said, because it's rare to start a season where you've already signed to another team. And that was a strange and different tense dynamic. And I kind of like that. That's all part of the backstory of Formula One, isn't it? And of course, that's true for several drivers right now, you know, because it's true of, you know, science we know is going to be moving. Vettel obviously isn't going to be at Ferrari next year. So yes, so several drivers are in that position of they're going to spend the whole of the season when we know they're not going to be there next year. Let's talk about qualifying. The build-up was fascinating. I thought they managed it really well. But when we finally got down to track action, it was a bit of a surprise when Lewis had been quickest in all three practice sessions that he failed to get pole, that Valtteri put it together only just though because he spun off didn't he on his final lap but in spinning off meant that Lewis and any other driver on track had to lift momentarily which came back to bite him when it came to the race start didn't it yeah well obviously getting the penalty that put him back on the grid really hampered Hamilton's race and he was unlucky that that incident happened just when it did in that qualifying run because I think if it had been a split second earlier he would have reacted in time to avoid the penalty And the qualifying looked good for Norris. I mean, for Norris to get fourth, to be behind Bottas, Hamilton and Verstappen, that speaks volumes of the progress McLaren have made and Lando Norris's growing confidence in Formula One. I always said he was quicker than Sainz. Yeah, and that race result as well, I think it underscores just what progress McLaren have made as well as Lando's qualities as a driver. Lando Norris, I think he's been performing very well over COVID with all the esports. He's been dominating quite a bit in the e-racing throughout the time off. Do you reckon that doing e-sports has kept him in trim or is it simply a psychological thing that's kept his confidence up or bolstered his confidence because it can't truly relate to driving a real car on a real circuit can it no it can't but I think it obviously has kept it in check probably a combination of both like getting his confidence up and also just keeping him in check so he's just at the age where e-gaming and e-sports and e-racing is part of their everyday lives they just jump on it similar to Max Verstappen does it too I'm sure and he's quite good on virtual racing we'll talk about the race in a minute but something else I noticed during the coverage of Formula One was that Ola Alenius who is the chairman of Daimler AG and the head of the Mercedes division within Daimler I should say rather than Daimler Daimler isn't it he was interviewed on Sky by Rebecca Brooks and they had Toto sitting next to him and he was asked about two very specific areas one what's all this about you having a rift with Toto Wolf and he replied oh don't believe everything you read in the papers and then second of all are Mercedes committed to Formula One and I thought his answer was very interesting because what he actually said was look we've been instrumental in designing the cost cutting in Formula One. We've got the fastest hybrid technology in Formula One. And if the cost cutting goes through, we'll continue. What he didn't say in one word was, yes, Mercedes are absolutely committed to Formula One. 
you know, kind of, whoa, it stood out a mile to me that he didn't instantly commit to that sport, which makes me just a little bit nervous. And Toto was noticeably quiet. <laughs> then again, he was sitting next to his boss. It's a bit of a worry. Mercedes come out with, once again, the quickest car on the grid and the confidence to paint their cars black to promote a political ideal, if you like. And yet, they didn't absolutely there and then commit to Formula One. Are we going to lose them in two years? What do you think? No, surely not. Doesn't seem likely. On the other hand... Where would they invest in otherwise? I don't know, but they've been so successful... You know, as long as you carry on being successful, it's a great investment and you would, I think, carry on with that path. But arguably, the only way to go is down from here. And if in a couple of years' time, when Lewis has moved on, if when we're in a slightly different era of F1, you know, they might reconsider and take the view that they've had incredible value from their involvement in F1 and they want to focus on other areas. He's probably just hedging bets. I wouldn't read too much into it. But like I say, when you've had this much success, you know, there can be a case for leaving on top rather than tarnishing your record with a few years of less success. My reading of it was that he couldn't absolutely commit to it. He might like to. But he couldn't because there's so much influx in Mercedes in Europe at the moment. They only announced this week that they're going to sell one of their manufacturing plants in France to rationalise production in Europe. And there's some possibility that the Ineos Grenadier will actually be built there. But otherwise, you know, you're right. They've got great value out of Formula One. In fact, I believe Mercedes is actually the only Formula One team that makes a profit for its major shareholder, a proper profit for Mercedes. It doesn't cost them anything. And I guess as long as that continues, they can continue, which is why I think he focused on cost-cutting in the interview. But anyway, more on the political stuff in Formula One in a moment. But first, this. Want to be safe while enjoying your favourite sport? Why, yes. And look stylish? Of course. Here's the perfect solution. The Gareth Jones on Speed Mouth Mask. Wow. The Gareth Jones on Speed Mouth Mask. This medically unapproved device is woven in Wales from mega advanced materials. Floral tablecloths. And nylon pillowcases. The Gareth Jones on Speed Mouth Mask. Tell me more. The Gareth Jones on Speed mouth mask is equipped with up to two layers of filter material. Two layers. Guaranteed to prevent moisture droplets or anything at all, really, leaving your mouth. The Gareth Jones on Speed mouth mask. Why not gift it to an idiot friend? It has the added bonus of also filtering out the utter BS spouted by flat earthers, anti-vaxxers and most F1 team bosses. Eliminates BS. Emblazoned with the trademarked Gareth Jones on Speed logo, this exclusive ultra-high-tech device is now available for the bargain price of just $89.99. Wow, that's a steal. Yes! $89.99! So just half the price of official Ferrari F1 branded merchandise. The Gareth Jones on Speed Mouth Mask. Also available for noses! Warning, use this device may shorten your lifespan. Always keep away from children. Go! 
Yeah, like I said before, this is a particularly happy episode of Gareth Jones on Speed because F1's back. But I would imagine that Lewis Hamilton, at about 41 minutes before the race started, was the unhappiest person on the grid because at that point, the FIA announced that Lewis had been given a grid penalty, dropping him from second place where he was in qualifying to starting fifth. Oh, that was a cruel penalty for Lewis. And boy, did it happen late. You know why, you guys? Why it happened late? Uh, well, I think because they didn't make the decision until they got some footage from an on-car camera. They have these 360-degree view cameras on the nose of the cars these days, which record continuously, but they don't transmit back to the stewards and the FIA or anybody else continuously. So they had to wait to get the footage from that camera. And it wasn't until they got the footage from that camera that they could clearly see that the yellow flags had come out and so they gave Lewis the penalty. You've got a feel for Lewis because... I'm sure he can live with being second on the grid, knowing that he's been quickest all weekend. But to get a penalty that late just before you start the race doesn't give you much time to rethink your strategy and everything with your race manager, does it? Well, I would have thought it wouldn't have changed his strategy too much because the ultimate goal was to win anyway, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's always the goal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not like he can put different tyres on at that point anyway, so he's just got to, you know, <laughs> overtake a couple more people. Mm, yeah. Which he largely did, because let's not forget that when the race ended, Lewis was actually second on the circuit. And I watched not only the race itself live, but the highlights as well on Channel 4. And I thought it was very astute of David Coulthard to observe that towards the end of the race, if Mercedes had brought some team orders in, allowing Lewis to get ahead of Bottas, not by five seconds, but just by four seconds, then although Lewis would have finished ahead of Bottas on the track... Valtteri would still technically have won the race and Lewis would have finished in second, putting Mercedes 1-2 on the podium. Very smart bit of strategic thinking from Mr. Coulthard there, but I don't know why Mercedes didn't actually employ that because you would have done to maximise your points, surely. Yeah, interesting thought. Yeah, I don't know about that, but one thing that did strike me is that even given the grid penalty that Lewis had, I think the more significant thing in this race really was just the way that safety cars played out because with or without the grid penalty, he was starting behind Bottas, who drove a great race, didn't make any mistakes. Well, let's not forget that Lewis got two penalties in that race. He was given a grid penalty of three positions and a five-second penalty for his incident, in inverted commas, with Albon. And it was that which cost Lewis second place. Well, the point is that when he was maybe catching up to Bottas before the first safety car came out, they took the chance to pit both Mercedes, put new tyres on both cars, and any tyre advantage that Lewis might have had at that point or any chance he might have had to go for the undercut was neutralised. And without Valtteri making a mistake from then on, it was maybe a little bit tricky for him. I love the turn of phrase that Brundle used on the commentary for when they did that double pit stop for the Mercedes he described it as a stacked up double stop 
That's got to be one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Yo, man, it was a stacked up double stop. I'm going to have that. I'm going to write a song with stacked up double stop as a catchphrase in it somehow. I'm having that. They played that well, didn't they? Because they delivered Lewis into the pit at exactly the right moment when Valtteri was leaving. That was beautifully executed, wasn't it? They're pretty sharp. Yeah. I must say, though, Gareth, Martin Brundle's come out with some other very impressive things. He's matured into a tremendous commentator, really. You know, not everyone who's a great exponent of a particular sport makes a good commentator. But Brundle really has become an absolutely first-rate commentator. He was a terrific driver, but I think he's actually possibly better as a commentator. So fair play to him. That's right. He never won an F1 race as a driver, did he? But he certainly won commentary hundreds of times, in my opinion. A couple of other things I think are worth mentioning in the way that Formula One is dealing with COVID racing. Did you notice on the warm down lap or the cool down lap after the race had ended, on one of the billboards at the side of the circuit, they had the virtual image of a fan going, yay, go Bottas, with a little female fan cheering on it, which I thought was kind of what we alluded to in the last programme of giving fans access to the race without physically being there. I thought that was kind of smart i hadn't actually noticed that but yeah nice touch they should do more of that i thought that was a kind of oh nice surprise yeah and they delivered on valtteri there clearly they've got a bit of video for every driver who could conceivably win the race and they just played that right one at the right moment i also watched f2 there was something on f2 that was worth noting and that f2 is running on new wheels this year because the series has switched to 13-inch wheel rims rather than their usual larger 18-inch wheel rims. Now, this is what's going to happen to Formula One in a couple of years' time. And the whole reason for allowing F2 to do it beforehand is to allow Pirelli to gather data on how the lower-profile tyres will work ahead of Formula One adopting it in 2022. And it's weird. It doesn't half make the cars look weird. These enormous rims with very low-profile rubber on them. You ever seen an Alsatian, a German Shepherd, puppy they've got huge feet and the rest of them is out of scale and it's like they grow into their feet and it makes f2 cars look like little puppy dogs very weird and also i noticed the f2 cars are noticeably quieter over the curbs than the f1 cars because they have a lower volume of a gassy ball, if you like, to resonate over the vibration of the curbs. So something that we can look forward to in the future in Formula One are quieter tyres over the curbs. The curbs knackered it for the F1 cars, didn't they? They wiped out Red Bull completely. Well, and Mercedes really suffered over those curbs, yeah. It sounds as if they came very close to having serious gearbox problems. You know, whether it would have been actually a kind of shutdown or whether it would have been one of those situations where they were just kind of having to fly blind because they didn't have the sensor data that they'd normally have to know how close to the limits of different components and different operating regimes they are. Stroll retired because of a sensor failure, which was very unfortunate for him given how fast the racing points have turned out to be. I think I was a little bit sceptical about how quick they'd be when we talked about this before so I take all that back well I think, I think you're right because Perez was right up there with Lando Norris wasn't he yeah he was scrapping yeah they were fighting to and yep. he was giving him run for his money yeah exactly and it's a shame that Lance Stroll had reliability concerns but on Red Bull what I think I will say is that because both drivers 
were taken out of the race. They're sitting on zero points and they're down the bottom of the constructors' title race with Williams and Haas, who are the only other teams not to get any points to. And with the season being so short, that could really damage Red Bull, particularly because they're one of the teams that could probably come in second this year because their car is a lot faster than Ferrari as it stands. So you would expect that Mercedes would probably win the constructors' title this year based on their current pace, and then followed by Red Bull, and then it could be followed by any of the other teams at the moment, which could even be McLaren. Yeah. If... Ferrari indeed can't step up. So I saw that the drivers, they just cannot afford to have any reliability issues or be pushed out of the race or have any incidences. And Jog was absolutely right that Racing Point have certainly got a quick car for Lance Stroll to qualify in the position that he qualified. That's some achievement because Lance isn't the quickest lad in Formula He's One. He's not, is he? No. No. He's had his moments, yeah, but you'd never put him in the top rank of the drivers, sure. Well, they both got in the top 10 because Sergio Perez, he qualified sixth. Yeah. Yep. And that's well above Renault where Daniel Ricciardo came in 10th. And then Esteban Ocon, our good friend Esteban Ocon, what he qualified 14th. So I don't think he did that well in in the race, or I think he was certainly disappointed with his performance. Now, immediately, the teams have got to get on top of their reliability issues for the next Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring. I nearly said the Austrian Grand Prix. It's not. It's the Steiermark or the Styrian Grand Prix, isn't it? They've only got a matter of days to debug any of the issues that they've had. Do you think they're going to be able to do it? I mean, at least they have the advantage of not having to do any travelling <laughs> from one race to another. They're not going to waste any time packing and unpacking their suitcases and their race trucks you get the feeling that there's a certain amount of rustiness all around and there were probably maybe there were sort of more reliability problems here than there would have been at melbourne for example who knows i mean they've only got a week to sort things out but then again at least they're going to be operating at the same circuit so there are fewer variables to come into play you know whatever they need to fix they're fixing for the same race conditions the same circuit they know they're going to have to deal with the same curbs next week as they were dealing with this week and the same top speeds it's the same circuit I agree with you Zog there that it will be the same circuit the same curbs the same corners but I think what will be interesting is that the way the teams actually play their strategy because what if all the drivers that didn't finish the race, what if they were still in contention? So I think we will probably get a very different race, even though it will be the same circuit, which I thought before the weekend just gone, it would have been a similar race, but I don't think so now. I think the teams would have learned their lessons. They probably will hopefully fix their reliability issues, but more to the point, maybe their actual performances because it was unlucky for Albon to be pushed out of the race by Hamilton and Vettel also. I mean, that was no surprise there that he forced his own error. (laughs) It's a retake for everybody. You know, it's take two. It's that everyone's sort of going, okay, well, I wasn't really trying that time. Let me show you what I can do for real this time out. As you say, the Vettel incident was all on him. Album was just unlucky. In particular, they'll be looking to have a better week next weekend. There's some talk that possibly they're going to delete one of the DRS zones for the race next week. So it has a different sort of character, which is smart. It makes the race slightly different to how it was. I think that's a very smart idea. And of the teams going into the races next week, I think Mercedes will be confident. 
racing points will be absolutely pumped up. Ferrari will be depressed because they realise now that the FIA have jumped on their illegal fuel oil system. They haven't got the performance that they had last year, magically. And I also think that McLaren will be thinking, my God, if Lando can get on the podium last week, maybe he can do it again. It promises to be very exciting. You mentioned the FIA clamping down on the Ferrari engine thing. If you look at the speed trap times, this year's Ferrari was 10 to 15 kilometres an hour slower at different points on the track than it was last year. So, yeah, it's made a big difference. And, yeah, all credit to Leclerc for getting that car into second place with or without Hamilton's penalty. But, yeah, their year has got off to an absolute shocker. They're really going to want to hope things turn in a positive direction for them. Okay, we're going to finish on two things. First of all, I want to say, if you're not watching Formula 2 absolutely you have to be watching at the moment. There's an awful lot of returnees there. Artem Marklov, Guan Yu Zhu, Luca Giotto, Louis Delatraz, Roy Nissany. Is he a driver who's a little bit like a Nissan? Very Nissany. Yeah, from certain angles, he looks like a bluebird or a leaf. Very Nissany. His dad, by the way, I believe, is one of the likely contenders to buy the Williams team. So Roy Nissany, expect to see him in Formula One in the next few years. Callum Eilot, a driver I'd not noticed before, did an amazing job. British driver, watch out for him. And the Brazilian driver with the best name I've heard for years, Felipe Drogovic. <laughs> that great name. Fantastic. Felipe Drogovic, there you go. <laughs> Don't mess with him. Yeah, isn't that great? But the best names to watch in Formula 2 at the moment are PK, Alacy and Schumacher because the son of Michael Schumacher, Mick, is racing there, Giuliano Alessi, Jean Alessi's son, and Pedro Piquet, who is Nelsino's little brother, all racing. Oh, and there's also a, a Marino Sato as well, who's no relation to Takuma Sato. It just happens to be called Sato, like most people in Japan. But yeah, Formula 2, well worth watching. And the absolute thing, finally, we have to talk about a short statement from each of you on this, because Alonso will be back at Renault next year. Awesome. I think, great. Just getting back in. And I think, could this be RIP Vettel? Is he facing the end of his career? But I'm very excited that Alonso is coming back. I suppose he went and sowed his wild oats in other racing series and he's realised that Formula 1 really is the pinnacle of motorsport and he's excited to come back. However, Renault will have the same car next year as this year with the regulations carried over. But, you know, he might be competitive again. Zoggy? Uh, I mean, whoa! Yeah, I think it's great. In some ways, I haven't always been Alonso's biggest fan, but I warmed to him more, actually, after he left F1, really. And I think a bit like Schumacher, you know, maybe he'll come back to the sport as a slightly mellower character. You know, in a sense coming to drive for Renault there's not a huge amount of pressure on him because he's never going to win in that car but he can put in some good performances and they can certainly benefit from the experience that a driver like Alonso brings and somebody with his super racing brain and competitive edge that brings a lot to the team so yeah I think it's great I look forward to seeing what he can do yeah I look forward to seeing him in a perfectly reasonable car it's not great but it's perfectly reasonable my prediction is he'll be on the podium on a number of occasions next year but I don't think that car is going to win next year 
and as a consequence of that he ain't going to win any championships but it'd be nice to have Alonso back you've been listening to Zog goodbye and Sarah goodbye and like I said it'll be nice to have Alonso back but for now it's nice to have F1 back see ya opportunities go to garethjones.tv gareth jones on speed is made in london by whiz bang gareth jones on speed, speed.